On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we go back to the 1980s with HBO Max to try and save the world. That's right. We're talking about Wonder Woman 1984. Get your popcorn ready. The world needs you. You know what you need to do. Nothing good is born from lies. And greatness is not what you think. Welcome all you good movie buddies to The Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn, wherever you can get it, and other delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williams and your very best good movie buddy. And joining us today, kind of not as usual, but I think our more frequent guest good movie buddy, guest co-host, we have my sister, Leah Theodosis. Leah, how you doing? Great. Happy Welcome to back. Be back. Happy to be here. I think technically, because we took a very long break <laughs> because of my mental health, yeah. um, I think technically you were on this podcast like only three episodes ago. Yeah, it was pretty recently. What movie was it? We did Mulan. That's right. Yeah, we did Mulan and we talked a little bit about, you know, the at home experience mm-hmm. and whatnot on that episode. And we're going to kind of revisit that here too because it's still <laughs> something that. You know, people are still trying to figure out and whatnot, but we are here to talk about Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, this is one that that you express interest in doing with me. You actually, I, I should give you a little bit of credit, and I think I told you, I think I mentioned this on our Christmas episode, but like, you know, I was like having a hard time finding my passion and my motivation for movies, and I told you that, and you kind of gave me like this kick in the ass that... At the time, I was like, this isn't what I need. She's being super aggressive. Like, but like, it genuinely helped. So I, I want to say that I appreciate that. And now this is our third episode in a row. You know, I'm the only one who can talk to you like that. So anybody else. It's true. They it's can watch true. out. But Take it easy. Happy to be back. Happy to have the popcorn diet return. Um, it's so funny. Since you said the Mulan thing, I think on the Mulan episode, I said that I would go to the theater for Wonder Woman 84. Interesting. Maybe. Yeah. I don't remember now. I didn't listen to it. Because we were talking about what movies we would go to the theater for. Sure. When the theaters would be reopened. Sure. It was either on the podcast or maybe it was off to the side, not being recorded of a conversation. But I had said that I would go to Wonder Woman 84. Right. Now, I mean, and listen, like, I get it. Yeah. You know, like we're fortunate enough to live in Arizona. I mean, fortunate, unfortunate, better or worse, depending on what your perspective is. But <laughs> we're fortunate enough to live in Arizona where the movie theaters are still open. So if you really want to go to the movie theater, you are able to do so. Mm-hmm. And I, as a movie fan, consider that being fortunate, you yes. know, like as somebody who has talked about the movie theater experience on this very podcast, like, and has talked to you and the people who know me who hold that movie theater experience in such high importance. Yeah. Um, like, it is fortunate that I was able to go see Wonder Woman 1984 in the movie theater. That being said, I can't deny that it is also fortunate that anybody who wanted to 
could get who's a subscriber to HBO Max could watch Wonder Woman 1984 right there on Christmas Day. Totally. Like that is undeniably a cool thing to be able to share storytelling like that. Totally. Um, it's it's a, a tough conflict, obviously, between <laughs> the two, because I think movie theaters and the movie theater experience is important to absorbing the story, to being emotionally invested in the story. And I think, and I, I David and I talked about this on the previous episode, but I think things as simple as being able to pause a movie is actually a detriment to the story mm-hmm. because it allows you to just disengage anytime you need to. I got to go to the bathroom. I got to answer the phone. I got to whatever. I think that that's an actual detriment to the story, mm-hmm. you know? Now, I get like I went to the I went to the bathroom during this movie in the movie theater because it's two and a half hours long. It's a yeah. long movie, but but yeah, I mean I went and I saw it at the movie theater at Harkins, which is our co- sort of semi local regional movie chain here. There's Harkins theaters in California and Colorado, I think. I think there's some in New Mexico, so they're they're regional and whatnot. And they did a really good job of you know, COVID protections and keeping everybody safe. And we talked a little bit about this on a Tenet podcast when David and I saw Tenet back in, I don't know, August or September or what have you. But they do everything that you should in terms of keeping people separate and, you know, uh, blocking off seats and all the staff members wearing masks and stuff like that. Like, I genuinely think that, Going to the grocery store is probably more more risky sure. than going to a Harkins movie theater. Like, I get that you're in a theater with people, like you're in an enclosed space, but you're separated. With grocery stores, you go to a Walmart, something like that, there's people moving around all over the place, touching all kinds of stuff. If but you choose to go to a Walmart over picking up from a Walmart, you just... You need to take up crocheting or something. <laughs> it's Going tough. inside a Walmart it's, seems crazy right it's now. It's tough. Like, Going it does. anywhere. And that's the thing is, like, we all have our certain level of, like, what we are willing to do at what level of risk, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we all have our own risk-reward uh, gauge, if you will. And for some people, like, they don't know how to schedule Walmart pickups. They don't know how to do... Sure. Uh, Instacart or what have you, or they just aren't willing to spend the extra, you know, whatever it costs to do Instacart on tips and delivery fees and what have you. Like myself, I still go to our grocery store. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a grocery store. I try to go when the hours aren't very, uh, or when uh, during hours where I know it's not going to be very busy. So like, usually like Monday morning, there's nobody there. Yeah, you know. But I still go into the grocery store and I still shop. And and that's the thing is like that's about where my level is. Yeah. Is like I'm not I don't need to go to a patio brunch. I do not need to go eat at a Chili's on a Thursday night. Like Chili's. that's not a big <laughs> and, and it's hard. It's hard because, you know, this is a judgment free podcast and it's always been a judgment free podcast. But I can't except help it. times when we're judging. Exactly. Like, <laughs> except for those judgment, you know, specific times. But it's hard to not, like, drive past a freaking Outback Steakhouse and see it busy on a Wednesday night and wonder, like, hmm, 
Like that's the steak you're choosing to that's, go get. That's what that's what that's we're doing. That's the yeah. level of steak that you're choosing to be like. Oh, okay. And it's like it is what it is. But like for you, when you said like you would go to the movie theater, like that, like things are not great right now. Sure. In terms of COVID and the spread and whatnot, and yeah, the vaccine is getting rolled out, but we're not there yet. So I totally understand. Yeah. People who wouldn't go to the movie theater, I get it. That's just the risk. That's just my thing. Yeah. You know? And and again, it's not like I went to the movie theater and sat in a full house sure. with everybody without masks on, with their mouths open, cheering and laughing and screaming or whatever. Like, it was done respectfully. It was done safely, as safe as you could do Absolutely. the movie theater experience. Yeah. For you, you watched it at home. Yeah. Now, <laughs> You had some technical difficulties. Oh, my gosh. Well, so why don't you talk about that? Well, I have a one-year-old, well, a little over one now, and he has managed to hide our TV remote control somewhere that we cannot find it. We have flipped <laughs> our house upside down. I even tried to look for it again today, and we just cannot find it. And so I couldn't figure out how to turn on our TV without the remote. <laughs> I couldn't find a button. I was looking for an actual hard button. Right. And where our TV is, we don't really have like an overlight. Or we have like one light in our living room because we have great natural light during the day. Sure. So I didn't realize the front of my TV had the tiniest little touchscreen power button on the corner of it. Ah. Um, so I like ended up using my flashlight last night to find out like, is there a weird button? And I found it. But when we went to watch Wonder Woman, I, we could not figure out how to turn on the TV and we couldn't figure out how to watch it on our actual TV. So what we ended up doing was watching it on our laptop in bed. And uh, I texted you, Ricky, and I said, oh, yeah, we ended up watching it on the laptop. And you would you say you're like, ah, like, exactly the intention that the filmmakers just, wanted just to as the it. filmmakers wanted it presented. Yeah. Like, which is like. I think I responded just like, shut up. Like, hey. Well, people were making jokes about that when The Irishman came out on Netflix. And and there were people who were like, The Irishman is too long and it should be four episodes because I'm on the train and I only have 30 (laughs) minutes to watch on my phone. And I was just, and a lot of people were just like, just as Scorsese intended it to be viewed. And totally. It's tough. And that's a tough thing about art and storytelling, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, that's the it's the difference between looking up the Mona Lisa on your phone versus going and looking at the Mona Lisa, you know? Not to say that Wonder Woman 1984 is the Mona Lisa. Yeah. You know, it's not. But there is a substantial difference between me sitting in a movie theater with a 50-foot-tall screen and you sitting on your 15-inch laptop watching Wonder Woman. Very different. Um, Very different. Same movie. But there's definitely moments in this movie where I was like, man, this would be beautiful on a big yeah. screen. This sound would be amazing in a movie theater. So for someone that also grew up going to the movies quite often, I recognize watching this movie at home, even if I was watching it on my TV, right. it wouldn't do it justice because it's a be- it's a beautiful film. Like the colors and the cinematography I think yeah. are really incredible. And watching it on my laptop, it just didn't do it quite what I feel like I would have felt while watching it in a theater. Right, and that was is my was going to be kind of my main question, which is just like, you know, emotionally speaking, it is just harder to get hit emotionally by, 
laptop speakers yeah. and a la- like music coming through laptop speakers mm-hmm. versus music surrounding you, Definitely. you know? Um, now, with that being said, like, you, you have to admit, like, it's pretty dope that you could watch Wonder Woman 1984, like, right there. Absolutely. Didn't Absolutely. have to do it. Um, yeah, and, I, and for me and my household, we didn't feel comfortable. We don't feel comfortable going to the movies yet. We also have, a, like I said, a one-year-old. Right. So, like, we don't feel comfortable leaving him with a sitter just in the state of the world right now to go to the movies. It just didn't feel like what we were wanting to do. Sure. So it was wonderful that we could watch this movie Christmas night, I think is when we watched it. And, you know, we had our door open, so it was chilly and we had nice cozy blankets and it was really fun to watch it that way. But I would have preferred to definitely see this in the theater and then watch it for a second time the way that I watched it right. at home. Right. That makes yeah. Sense. I'm going to watch it again on my television at home uh, and kind of just see what if I feel the difference or, or, or anything like that. But what do you think about that HBO? Like, are you familiar with it, what HBO Max announced? Are you familiar with their whole plan? They announced that all of their big movies next year are going to follow the same format. Theater and... Yes. So for the first 31 days of release, the movies are going to be simultaneously available to watch in theaters and on HBO Max. Mm. And it just sounds like... And again, there's a lot of deeper... Com- like we've, we, David and I didn't really sit down and break down like the logistics of this and whatnot. Yeah. Because in my opinion, and in a lot of people's opinions, this isn't a Warner Brothers decision... It's an AT&T decision because AT&T owns Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. And it's a decision because Disney Plus is out there freaking crushing it. Netflix is out there crushing it. They both have tens, if not hundreds of millions of subscribers. And HBO Max is trying to get a leg up in that industry and whatever. And so there are a lot of people out there who include filmmakers of some of the movies that are coming out Mm -hmm. who include um, production studios that partnered with Warner brothers on some of these movies who feel that it's them throwing the art under the bus Mm. and throwing the business under the bus and the filmmakers under the bus to try and get a leg up on this whole streaming, you know, technology, you know, horse chase, if Mm -hmm. you will. It's complicated because you have legendary pictures which co-produced, you know, like Godzilla versus King Kong Mm -hmm. that Warner Brothers is going to release. Legendary came out and said, like, well, they didn't tell us about this. Like, there's a lot of business stuff involved that I don't know. I I, I don't know how much fun it is to talk about it and whatnot. But, like, from your perspective, and again, even I can admit. It's pretty cool that people will be able to get to see those movies instantly in their homes. Totally. Um, and there's a lot of people who right now probably wouldn't even be able to afford to go to the movies. Or can't, like literally really cannot. To. Yeah. Like there are liter- there are states, New York particularly, uh, California particularly, yeah. that are a couple of the biggest movie market states in the country that are under complete and total lockdown. Like movie yeah. theaters aren't even open. Yeah. So we're in a bit of a privileged position in Arizona. Yes. But yeah, like 
It's definitely bittersweet. Right. I mean, as somebody who enjoys going to the movies, that's like a luxury for a lot of people, right? right? It's kind of like how I view, like, if I get to go see a Broadway play, I'm not going to a Broadway play every weekend. That's right. a luxury. But, like, some people look at the mu- at the movies as I look at theater, right? Going right. to the movies is a luxury. And so it's nice to know that they can pay a small fee to be able to watch these incredible films as they come out at home with their families, with a screaming baby where they don't feel like they're ruining the theater experience for right. the people in the theater. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it, it's, it's, it's a way to continue moving on right now. Sure. Um, it's a way to continue these wheels in motion to continue to create movies, mm-hmm. put movies out, and give people something to watch and something to talk about and something exciting to talk about. Yeah, I, f- I agree with you. I mean, it, it is tough. It is a, t- it is, it is a not easy solution. Mm-hmm. And there are people out there and there are filmmakers out there who are taking these hardline stances of like, I only want my movie distributed in theaters first and whatnot. And like, I'm, I pretty much share that thought, but mm-hmm. take it another step further like there is a pro and con to all of it. Like streaming services now and direct to direct to consumer services, for better or for worse, they give filmmakers of all shapes and sizes the opportunity to get eyes on their work in ways that didn't exist ten years ago or Definitely. twenty years ago. So if you're an independent filmmaker, you can make movies and put them on Amazon, and people will watch them. Yeah. If you are somebody who is struggling to get your movie made. There are companies out there now like Netflix that will just give you money and let you make what you want to make. Yeah. And there's something about that that is 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 great and is noble. And then there's also something that I worry about, like everything is content and everything is just like, we're going to get this out. We're going to get this yeah. out. We're going to get this out. And everything is kind of just getting squished down into this medium place Yeah, where there's nothing really great. There's nothing really truly exciting. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, yeah. I'm not I am not afraid of movies going away. Yeah. I am afraid of movies becoming so much of a luxury that they are like a Broadway show for most people. Like that's a big that's a big thing that scares me. That being said, like not to like die, dive down deep into that or whatever, because I feel like. Every week there's a new chapter in like exactly. what is movies gonna be like? What is movies gonna be like? There are theaters shutting down and there it's just such a large industry. Like right. we're not just talking about the writers, the directors, and the actors, like the production staff and teams and costume and wardrobe and everything in between, food on sets, like all of these people. Thousands of people. The way that these people are able to work is by Things like this being pushed to streaming, unfortunately, right. you know, like right now, I think movie theaters will come back how they have been intended to. I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be a thing that people will like not remember the joy of. Sure. You know, like I think of just going to the theater with like my friend Erica and like watching like whatever we like nothing even good is out that weekend, but we're so bored and we want to go to do something. Right. That's going to come back. That's definitely going to come back. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see what does and what doesn't come back. But that being said, like according to the, according to the box office, like 
this had its most the most successful like pandemic theater opening. Like That's it made great. it made something like sixteen or eighteen million dollars, nice. which for Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four is not a great opening. No, like, but for a a pandemic opening like on that. Christmas, on I don't Christmas. know how Christmas movies usually do, but I imagine they don't do as good as like a normal weekend. They, they do pretty well. Yeah, they do pretty well. Um, they're usually pulling in like 50, 60, 70 million now. It's become more of a thing in the past few years now that like every every holidays we'd get a Star Wars movie. Yeah, oh, that's true. You know, um, yeah. like Jumanji made like four hundred million dollars opened yeah. up at the same time, like so crazy. crazy. Um, so a movie's doing well, like. As far as and people watching it. that's just box office. Right. That's just so box who office. who knows what like, that streaming... I don't even know how they freaking figure that I out. I don't even know that they do. Like, that's another thing, which is just like Netflix... The way Netflix tallies, like, it streams is like, if you watch it for three minutes, you count as a view. Oh, okay. You know? So, I don't know. But... Yeah. It made a good amount of money in the movie theater. People went and saw it. We saw it. So, let's talk non-spoilers. Yep. About... Wonder Woman 1984. Like, the basic plot is that, without getting into spoilers, it's Wonder Woman having to deal with the many, many, many different ramifications and effects of the Dreamstone when it falls into the hands of this businessman slash con man, Maxwell Lord. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Like, without getting into the crazy stuff. So, how'd you like the movie? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. There were definitely things in the film that I was just like, this is stupid. But I'm also like, the whole concept of a comic book movie is right. not real, Leah. So don't hold like the bar too high on like realism in a comic book movie. Right. We'll get into like, I have some, I'm the same. I really like this movie a lot. I enjoyed it. I thought like there were a number of times where I was like got a little emotional and mm-hmm. I was like, y'all, you movie, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Like you got me. <laughs> um, I was really into the plot. I was really into the performances. Uh-huh. Like you said before, the movie's gorgeous. Like the production design and the music, the this music might be is really great. This might be one of Han. Like, it, so Hans Zimmer did this music, you know, Hans. Yeah. Good friend we of the go podcast. Way back. This might be one of his best scores. And that's saying a lot for Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Like, it's an incredible score. Um, I really enjoyed it, top to bottom. It's not without its flaws. It's not a perfect film. Yeah. I have questions. Yeah. I have, I have issues. I have logistical issues with the, with the movie. But all that being said, like, this is the kind of movie that really propels the idea of goodness and hope and doing the right thing even when it's hard yeah and fighting against the urge to just do the easy thing yeah like from from the very beginning of the movie like that's the message is it's it's you can't just do what's easy because there are just so many other things that could be affected by that yeah and i really enjoyed that i really thought it was good um i thought all the performances were phenomenal like Gal Gadot, number one, <laughs> like one of those alien level, like beautiful people. Yeah. Like you are an alien. You are. You are a fake human being. Entirely too you attractive. You are not a real human being born this way. But also like good on her <laughs> for going from 
like the fourth lead or the fifth person in the fourth Fast and Furious movie, which is nobody's favorite Fast and Furious movie, (laughs) by the way, to becoming a a full-blown global, like genuine super movie star. Straight up Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. And... And really good at it too. Like yeah. she, like she is asked to do some actual emoting. Like she's done. She's got to go through an actual emotional struggles in this movie. I thought she did an excellent job. She I did. thought she did an excellent job of like exuding that that grace and that determination and whatnot, and not just being a hero who. Just like punches people. Totally. I can't imagine any other actress that I'm aware of in this role. Like she, I feel like, is the perfect fit for what Wonder Woman is now being created based on the DC comic character. You know? Yeah, I would be super interested. I mean, I don't remember the making of the casting. Who I don't remember who was so Zack Snyder cast Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot, I don't know. Gal Gadot. Um, she's Israeli, right? She's Israeli. She was actually part of, because in Israel you have to do military service. Uh-huh. She was actually like like Israeli military special forces in like, um, like physical fitness and like combat readiness and wow. whatnot. So like legit like badass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she got cast over a couple of other women. Elodie Young, who played uh, Electra in the Marvel Daredevil television show. Okay. And Olga Kurilenko, who I think was a Bond girl. I'm almost certain. Um, but she got cast. And a lot of people were super shitty because they're like, she's too skinny or yeah. whatever. But, like, she's fucking Wonder Woman. Yeah. And she does an incredible job. I think that she does a really good job as, like, the lead of this movie. She does. She definitely can carry this role. I I think she can carry it very well. Very well. Bringing Chris Pine back, uh, which, again, like, we're talking about dealing with a a MacGuffin called the Dreamstone. So bringing Chris Pine back. The chemistry between those two. It's pretty great. Chris Pine is just, like, a charming SOB. And also, like, bluest eyes I've ever seen in my life. Stupid. How are they that blue? It's piercing. It's dumb. And it's funny because, like, I also feel that this movie borrows a lot from, like, 80s movies as well. Like, in the way that it's shot and in the way that certain sequences are kind of laid out and whatever. I also think he kind of plays, like, the traditional love interest role of somebody in the 80s. It's not really, like, really that important to the plot. Yeah. They're just there for the main character, and the main character's emotional arc. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, a low-key way, like, I appreciated that, where yeah. it's just, like, let's bring a charming, handsome guy in here and have him be only slightly more than window dressing. Yeah. And it's, like, well, Chris Pine kind of nails it. Yeah. You know? I, I wasn't really looking for anything deeper than that. Yeah. Um. Obviously, your girl Kristen Wiig is in it. KW. Um, Big fan of KW. I was, I was, I don't want to say worried per se, but I was, I guess, a little worried about. I was worried. How were you? I was worried, especially because it was like she came out as like, okay, I'm going to be Cheetah and Wonder Woman. Right. And then the fucking Cats film came out, and hey. I was like, oh, I know what Cheetah character 
like looks like in the comic books. And right. like, please don't do Kristen Wiig harm. Like she is, an, <laughs> she is a gift to me. Please don't tarnish her like name or her reputation in the Hollywood industry by doing her dirty. So, and, and they didn't. Good. I mean, Good stuff she, from Kristen Wiig. She did amazing in this movie. Uh, there were there were small things in the in the graphic department that yeah. has nothing to do with her um, that I didn't really like. Sure, but Kristen Wiig did incredible. I think she was the perfect role for this character. Very much Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman uh-huh. as Catwoman. You know, starting off as a little like mousy, kind of goofy, like. I'm just a friend. Nobody ever looks at me. Like it's a very similar character right. arc as I would think sure. in the film. Like no spoilers, but I think she did amazing. I think she was a great, great actress for that role. And it was really nice to see her still a little funny and charming, um, but in a freaking blockbuster film. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Like the villain in a blockbuster film is always a big deal. Yeah. It's always, it's like, it's like casting Jim Carrey as the Riddler in a little bit of a way where it, it leans into her strengths, mm-hmm. but also lets her do a little bit different stuff Yeah, that you're not used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And she does an excellent job of it. She did. Um, and then, of course, like our guy, my Pedro. guy. I mean, he's my guy. I like him. Pedro Pascal, like having a, having a heck of a last couple of years. Mando. Mandalorian. And then Maxwell Lord just like... Having a blast. Yeah. Losing his mind. Yeah. Top level, just like, I'm going to be in this movie, and I'm going to really go for it. And I'm going to be, like, the kookiest yeah. SOB I'm going to be a, a stone-cold lunatic. Exactly. And But also, like, again, like, the dude just can get you. Yeah. And I really appreciated that this movie kind of shows and kind of wants to approach the idea of, like, what makes bad people do bad things, Mm -hmm. you know, or what makes maybe not even bad people do bad things, but what makes desperate people do bad things or what makes ignored people do bad Mm -hmm. things and stuff like that. And I think that's a really interesting conversation to have right now because it's very easy right now to look at somebody who you disagree with on anything political, scientific, scientific, uh, anything in this world. I mean, shit. The fanboys right now are arguing online about whether this movie is a masterpiece or whether it's garbage. And there is an entire spectrum of middle. Yeah. For anything. Definitely. And I really appreciate that this movie like wanted to explore that and that not everyone in the movie is a thousand percent good and not everybody in the movie is a thousand percent bad. Yeah. And I liked that. And I liked uh, that aspect of it. I thought that made the villains more interesting. And I thought that put some interesting decisions on the heroes as mm-hmm. well. Um, I mean, it's hard not to talk about, like, spoilers and stuff like that. The action, like, was incredibly well made, you know? There's a yeah. fight in a, in the mall, which I thought was awesome. There's a And that mall scene gives you like full on 80s vibes. Absolutely. Like if you're looking for the 80s, that is one of the more opening scenes of this film and it really sets the tone for like what year and like what century are you watching this like film? Like we are in the in? 80s as hell. Totally. Um but it also does a really good job of not 
totally leaning into it and mm-hmm. like overusing it or exactly. what have you. And I think they did a good job at doing that in the wardrobe even. Like uh, what Gal Gadot is dressed in outside of her Wonder Woman costume mm-hmm. is just like pretty normal clothes. Like when people think 80s, like, oh, you're invited to an 80s party. It's like, let's go all out. Big like, shoulder crazy pads. Crazy bright makeup, big shoulder Poofy pads, hair. crazy hair. Yeah. And she's wearing like casual but dressed up 80s fashion right it works it's not so crazy that you're like whoa like the 80s are just like this wild time like she is just like looks like a normal person who has a professional job that she's going to work at and the same with like everybody like steve trevor's character they have like again i could watch 30 minute montage of them just like trying on (laughs) new 80s outfits but what they wind up putting him in is basically a tracksuit. yeah and it works Pedro Pascal gets to run around in these like gaudy pinstripe suits. Absolutely works. Kristen yep. Wiig gets to go through a whole evolution of outfits. Yeah. That totally works. Yeah. Um, just top to bottom, like really good use of the 80s. Really good use of the technology of the mm-hmm. 80s and whatnot as well. Um, any other non-spoiler thoughts? It's mostly like we kind of just got to get we into talking We kind of got to get to the spoilers. The story's great. I, it kept me engaged. I know that much. So if if you don't want to listen past spoilers, I would recommend watching it. Get Signing up for HBO Max to watch it because it's a great film. Yeah. And the story is super engaging. It is a little long. I think there's some fat that could be trimmed off. Um, but other than that, yeah. It is It is a long movie. Like, yeah. there is no denying that. Um, and they, they probably could have edited it a little bit tighter. But it's beautiful. I enjoyed it. And I think that the artistry in this film really came out because they wanted to keep these longer shots and these longer emotions playing out with this beautiful soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So before we do that, before we, we move on to spoilers or whatever, we, we, we got to do our popcorn ratings, obviously. <laughs> that noise popcorn you making popcorn uh-huh i only eat popcorn at the movies now if you've never listened to an episode of the popcorn diet before we do our ratings a little bit differently instead of stars or thumbs up or what have you we have our spectrum of popcorn it's kind of our our star system but we have burnt popcorn which means a movie is garbage don't bother don't waste your time on it it's not worth, literally, if you can watch it for free, it's not worth it. We've never given a burnt popcorn mm-hmm. on this on this show before. Mostly because we know what we like and we avoid what we don't. Um, then we have stale popcorn, which is not great. Like, in a pinch, if you absolutely have to, fine. But it's not what you want. In the middle, we have microwave popcorn, which is pretty okay. Microwave popcorn at its best can be really good. At its worst can be not so good. Your mileage may vary, but microwave popcorn is squarely in the perfectly fine territory. Then we have movie theater popcorn, which is you should go see this in a movie theater. Safely, securely, if you have the ability to do so, I suppose, but it deserves to be seen on the big screen. And then perfect popcorn is watch this as soon as possible. And then if we ever have a hard time falling in the middle of any of those, we throw a soda in there as kind of our half a star. So Leah, what is your popcorn rating for the, uh, for Wonder Woman 1984? I don't know if it's just because um, I haven't seen such a great new film in a while, but I'm going to give it a perfect popcorn. There you go. I know I didn't see it in the theater, um, but I still really enjoyed watching it at home. 
Um, I do believe that the theater experience would definitely elevate this movie. Yes. Um, but I'm not going to wait around to watch it until I feel safe going to the theater. So sure. I'd give it a perfect popcorn. I loved it. And I think it definitely fed that craving of something new and something exciting and something related to like comic book sure. <laughs> like world. So perfect popcorn something for me. Something big and loud and well-made. Exactly. A fun story yep. with action and emotions and you are hooked. And it's so. nice that like most comic book movies can be that now. Yeah. I think so. Not all. Like, there are still the turkeys out there. And that's what's great about Wonder Woman. Like, I've seen almost all of the newer DC Comics, like, inspired movies. Right. And I've got to say, Wonder Woman is by far the best, in my opinion. It's just well done. It's just well done. And Gal Gadot knocks it out of the park. And I think um, a lot of people who are who like comic book movies, they're so spoiled with Marvel. Um, it's true. But this film is just, I, I think it does a really good job and I would associate it up to like the Marvel level. And I think that has a lot to do with Gal Gadot and how she carries this character. I agree. So for me, it's not quite perfect popcorn. It's just like I'm giving it movie theater popcorn and a soda uh-huh. because I do have tiny little nitpicks here and there. And, and that's enough for me to just say movie theater popcorn and a soda. But I'm with you where it's, it's entertainment that is sorely needed right now. It's a well-told story. It's well-acted. It's well-made. It's well-put-together. And it's a story that I think is, like, worth telling right now. Yeah. You know? I think it's a story worth telling about just goodness. You know? Definitely. Just be good. Like, put a little effort into you, your existence yeah. on this planet, you know? Work for it. And... I really appreciated that, you yeah. know, and and I just don't understand like the people the, the I don't I mean, I don't know. I don't even know if I even want to go down the road of trying to examine where these assholes on the Internet are who are like this movie is trash. Yeah, I just uh, you're I mean, wrong. Like you're just and I know like movies are subjective and supposed to be subjective, but there's a certain like level of objective truth that you can talk about a movie where you can say the production design is really good. And the costume design is really good, and the music is really good, and the action scenes are really good, and the acting is really good, and maybe they don't quite nail it yeah. on some of the storytelling aspects. But like, like oh, this movie's on. trash. Yeah. Like, you need to watch more movies, bro. You need to stop watching Seriously. Zack Snyder's Justice League on a loop and chill out <laughs> a little bit, maybe. Um, anyway. <laughs> perfect popcorn from you. I, yeah, perfect popcorn. Which Mo- I think is like maybe the first time I've ever given a movie when I've talked to you on the podcast a higher rating than you. Maybe. I it's know. It's usually I, like the same or you rate it or higher. Or I'm than usually I do. a little bit higher. And this is maybe just me being a ticky tack little bitch about it. But, but who knows? So let's talk spoilers. But before yes. we do, we got to take a quick little break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash The Popcorn Diet and consider 
Become a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. All right, and we're back. So, spoilers. Now, I wanted to start the spoilers out because we could talk. A, I have Obviously, I have stuff that I want to talk about here. But I want to know from you if you if this came across to you. But Patty Jenkins made a couple of very specific decisions with this movie to try and get away from the usual comic book action movie nonsense. And there's two main things. It's number one, in the first movie, obviously Diana's in World War One. Yeah. So she's got a sword, she's got the shield, she's got all that type of stuff. She has this big freaking fight at the end and all that. She specifically didn't want Diana to have a sword and a shield in this movie because she wanted her to be more of a defender. She wanted her to be less of a fighter, mm. right, and less aggressive when it comes to fighting. And the other thing that they did is they specifically made it out so that nobody dies in the movie. Mm. Now, on ice, I added on screen because I think the argument could be made that there are probably quite a few deaths. Yeah. In the short time that Maxwell Lord had, like, his absolute power. Yeah. But Max Lord doesn't die. Neither yeah. of the villains die. Yeah. Um, like, literally nobody technically dies. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was interesting. Like, I thought that that was an interesting decision. And literally, like, in the movie, when they're fighting in the White House, she stops Steve from, like, grabbing a sword to fight him or yeah. grabbing a gun to fight him. And she specifically says, like, it's not their fault. Yeah. It's literally, like, Max Lord told the president, like, you have to give me your your power. Yeah. I just found that interesting. Is that something that, that that you know, uh, uh, that that stuck out to you? Did, you? did you notice that at all? I definitely noticed that she was more of a defender and not – as a fighter, like you said. Like, she goes um, out of her way several times yes. in the middle of a fight to save people. Yeah, and there's little things, like, there's a point where she's like, no guns, like, I hate those things. Like, there's little comments like that where it's like, oh, she's not trying to, like, hurt people. She's trying to do the right thing by people right. and help people who are in trouble. Right, and people get, like, s like slapped around in this oh, movie plenty. Sure. Like, people get their asses kicked. Yes, but even, like, Cheetah doesn't kill anybody. Like, no. she beats up that one skeezy dude yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Gotta say, like, I get it's supposed to be like, oh, she's turning evil. Really enjoyed it. Like, oh, go ahead. I loved it. Beat on that dude. I loved it. <laughs> well, and then, like, there's a guy who's like, what have you done? Right, like, like her homeless like, friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I made a comment, like, commentary was like, oh, sorry, that guy tried to rape me, right. Leon, or whatever his yeah. name was. And I was like, sorry, he tried to do it again. Like, I was defending myself. So, I don't know. I would. But, but that's the best part is that she, uh, she obviously goes over the line of her defending herself. Yes. And that's the difference between her and Diana. Yeah, is Cheetah wants vengeance. Right. And Diana just wants to help people. Right. She doesn't want to be prey anymore. Yes. And she lit and I think obviously so 
that was one of my concerns with the character of Cheetah. I had two major concerns with the character of Cheetah. Number one, I was concerned that when, because in the trailer, she's like, I want to be an apex predator. Yeah. And I'm like, who the hell vote like <laughs> wishes for that yeah. specific wish, right? And I think they did a good enough job of showing how she was vulnerable and yes. she was prey. They didn't lay it out specifically. They didn't give her a monologue of like, I'm tired of always being picked on. I'm tired of all, all these predators picking on me or whatever. Yes. But they kind of built her arc to the point of where it's like she does not want to be prey anymore. Yeah. She wants to be the hunter. Yes. And I appreciated that. Yes. The other thing I appreciated about Cheetah was I was worried that the last fight between her and Wonder Woman was just going to be Wonder Woman wiping the floor with her. Because yeah. in, the, in the trailer, again, in the trailer, Cheetah shows up. Wonder Woman's all like, Barbara, what have you done? Yeah. And then literally, like, the thing that you see is Cheetah jumping at Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman doing some pirouette or whatever. And then, like, <laughs> Jack stomping her into the ground. And I'm like, oh, this this is not a challenge for her. This is Cheetah. And that's yeah. the hardest part about some of these superhero characters is, like, what is a worthy challenge to them? Well, it's interesting because Cheetah doesn't start off being like, I want to be an apex predator. Like right. Her whole transition is she wants to be Diana. Right. And she asks that so, not knowing that Diana is Wonder Woman. Exactly. So she, she just gets wants that. to be pretty uh -huh. and confident. confident and people to like her and be popular. And she got that and then even in the movie she's like i wanted to be like you and look what else i got like right. i got all these super surprise surprise yeah like i'm super strong and i just ripped the door off my fridge mm -hmm. and like all this stuff so i love how they showed her figuring out that like holy shit like wait i'm not just like cool now i'm right. also like able to kick this guy into a truck she like, goes to whoa. the gym and yeah. does like lifts like a thousand pounds yeah, it's or like what she's has you testing like what is going on with me and yeah. i liked that and then it's like it's not enough and that's when she gets to that point where she's like i want to be an apex predator right like, i want to be top of the food chart and she loses and the best part and we'll talk about max lord and the dreamstone a little bit but the best part is that like you lose something you have to give him something in return yes and she loses her humanity. Yes. She loses her all the best parts of her. Yeah. And I appreciated that. And I liked that the fight at the end was seemed to be a fairly even fight. Yeah. Like seemed to be like she just like kind of taken Wonder Woman to the woodshed a yeah. couple of moments. Like she messes up this armor that is supposed to be the strongest armor ever. And yeah. she does like putting work on it. And it literally comes down to the fact that, like, Wonder Woman can survive electricity because she's got her full powers back. Yeah. She's like, I'm giving you a chance to stop. And she just like, never or whatever. Yeah. So she just holds her in the water when the cable falls. Yeah. I appreciate I like the way that that turned out, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that as far as, like, action scenes go, what was your favorite? What would you say? Because, like, there's a, a lot of good stuff in this movie. There's a lot of good stuff. 
I loved the whole opening scene, to be honest. Like, I loved seeing Diana as a little girl just wanting to win these, like, crazy Amazonian games and seeing this badass little kid beat these other Amazonian, like, women. What is that? Themyscira? Is that how you say it? Themyscira? I don't even remember. Sure. But I just, like, I liked that whole opening scene for the movie. Yeah, it's and a great opening scene. Yeah, and, like, what you don't know watching it is, like, oh, like, exactly that lesson she learned is basically, like, how they're tying the end of the movie right. up is with that right. beautiful lesson she learned as a child. Where she learns, like, it's not about shortcuts. Like, you can't take shortcuts. Exactly. If you win by taking... Taking a shortcut, you don't really win. Exactly. If you achieve success by taking shortcuts, you don't really achieve success. Yeah. But that whole like aesthetic of it's like ancient Greece meets Hunger Games meets Harry Potter. I thought they were playing Quidditch oh for gosh, a second. So did we? We said the same thing. And like, I don't think we're the first people to say this, but I would watch a whole movie in in. Thermoscura or Themyscira or how do you say it? Because like that's interesting. And like Robin Wright is dope as her aunt. Yeah. And what is it? Connie Nielsen's her mom and they get to come back. Yeah. And Robin Wright is just like, I watch a whole movie about her being a badass like leader or whatever. And you know what I liked is like, so Wonder Woman 1984 is a prequel in a way to like Justice League or whatever. Right. Batman v Superman and Justice League technically. Because it's set in the 80s. Right. So I kind of like that they also did like a prequel to Diana as a little girl at like this huge thing. Right. In the beginning of this movie was like, oh, we're going even back further in time from yeah. when she was like a little he- like child. Yeah. And like, look how powerful and strong and amazing she is there. Yeah. And I, I like that it's playing with the uh, uh, with the timeline a little bit. Like yeah. we're jumping around. We're not necessarily telling like this linear story or what have you. I, I really enjoyed that. I think um, the, the mall fight was great. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed the mall fight. Um there were times where I had trouble understanding the, the, the like physics of the rope of yeah. her lasso of truth. Yeah. Uh, the road battle is probably the best one. The road battle where they're in Egypt mm-hmm. and she's just taking out the convoy. And there's that moment where kind she of. she drops the axle and the cu- truck flips yeah. and she gets launched into the air and the music's going. And I'm just like, this is my jam. Yeah. This is it. You know? No, it was good. I got to say, though, I did not like the battles where she was, like, weak. Okay. I was frustrated. And I was like, girl, you, like, know what you got to do. Like, just, like, you gotta like l- once she realized what she needed to do, which was renounce her own wish. Right, which was to have Steve come back. Yes. Um, Like, you're just being, like stupid exactly so i was really frustrated watching a few of those fight scenes because she wasn't at her full like wonder woman strength and power and she's like bleeding and getting shot and she's like oh i can't and i'm like what do you mean like you've trained your whole life to be able to like do like these things Right. right and i just found myself frustrated watching those as she's like not being full wonder woman because she in order to have Steve back, she had to give something to the like her wish or right. Dreamstone or whatever it's called. Um, so I was really frustrated at like the road battle and the White House fight. She gets her ass kicked. It, like that was the other thing that I appreciate is that she just straight up like like 
takes her lunch yes. in the White House. Yes. Even though it's not really ch- like that's the other thing is like it's Kristen Wiig dressed in like, you know, some animal skins and like a brown leather like skirt yeah. and boots and whatever. So she's like proto cheetah. Yeah. I like, would have the liked whole movie. She's starting to be like more sexier and right. like more just like and they, wild. And they lay it out like where she sees Diana's shoes and their leopard print shoes. Exactly. And she's like, those shoes are awesome. You know, yeah. so like they do a jo- good job laying it out. But I liked all that. And I thought that that made the whole uh, sequence where she gives up Steve and then starts flying. Yeah. Really, f- like it got me. That's, yeah. That shit got me. And I was upset <laughs> that it got me because like I would not be able to give up Chris Pine. Yeah. Like, I get it. See, what is it? I just watched a Hot Ones episode with Kristen Bell. Yeah. And there's like two, I don't know their names, but it's like two different like guys who have different theories. What I don't even know. Like, this isn't going to make any sense, but it's like, <laughs> would you rather push the one guy off a cliff to save a whole city? Sure. Or would you rather save the one guy and like see if the city would be able to be like right it's kind of like the trolley the trolley yes. uh you know would you your your trolley's on a track and it'll kill five people or you can pull the lever knowingly kill one person but saving yes. the five yes yeah it's like that kind of a like thought process it's right. like okay like would you rather kill your boyfriend again in a way right. like have him completely disappear or like kill it. it's civilization as you know it. Right. Like you need to, you know, and that's the thing is like that was the easy choice for her. Yes. It's a harder choice to give that up. Yes. For the greater good. I know. I, I just was like. And I appreciate that. There are people who are like, it's cheesy or cliche. And it's like, you guys need to chill out a little bit. I think I would have loved to see it like a little bit like of a role reversal, right? Like I feel like if the it was a guy is like the main comic book character. Right. And it was like your girlfriend came back to life. Right. I feel like it's like such a like feminine like thing to do for like a female main character. Like this is her biggest struggle is like giving up her boyfriend who like already died, the one true love of her life who's already dead. Right. Like, I feel like it, like, I don't know. And this is That's just an me. There's no approach. wrong or right thing. Of course. But I think it's just an interesting thing. Like, how would they approach this same exact storyline if it was, a like, Batman or right. Superman or whatever? And here's the thing is, like, that's what I talked about when I was talking about how Chris Pine basically serves as like the old love interest role. Because yeah. if you did flip that and you did give that choice to a male character, then there would be arguments about how the female character only exists for the male character's growth. Sure. You know? Sure. Because that is the history of female characters. Yeah. Like there was a whole, I can't remember the comic book character. I think it was Plastic Man or it was some nonsense comic book character. Who found his wife dead in the fridge. Like, she had been murdered and stuck in the fridge. So, the common term for uh, losing a character or a female character dying off for the sake of a male character's character arc is called fridging them. And so, like, that's basically what happened to Steve. Is like, Steve got fridged. And I I appreciate that because I don't think it's the first time, like, I would argue... That there have been numerous times where a male character 
has a, I mean, <laughs> it's literally, I think it happened in like, uh, Lethal Weapon 2 is one of the ones that sticks out to me the most because there's this female character. She's a love interest. She's, she's like the secretary of the bad guy. And her and Mel Gibson hook up and then boom, she dies. Uh-huh. And it's like, that is what drives him to the next level of heroism. Right? But, like, there's a difference. Like, that's how she dies the first time. Like, he's technically already dead. Right. He technically already he's sacrificed already himself. already dead and, like, had already sacrificed himself. Does that make it less impactful or more impactful? Because now you yeah. get to reverse that. But at what cost? Exactly. And now that she knows the cost. So I guess for me, it's like, once she realized the cost of the reverse and bringing him back, and might I add... He isn't even really him. He's like his soul is in another human's body. That leads to several conversations. That's Yeah, so that was a little bit weird for me anyway. Right. Seemed but like a nice guy, though. Seemed like a nice guy. <laughs> so it was like, at that, at what cost? So she's not only now costing somebody else their soul and personality and right. character, whoever right. that body is, where's right. that person gone? But she's... Like, costing her entire existence, like, what she does right. and what she's, like, been trained to do her entire because life. Because it's selfish. Like, I mean, exactly. you and I... Exactly. It's you, selfish. And that's why I like it is because, like, she does make this selfish decision that hurts her for two-thirds of the movie. Yeah. And it's like, that is, if not one of the most human things. Because sure. how many times do I... This is going to be a weird comparison, but it's like... <laughs> How many times do I decide to eat too much and lay on the couch because it's selfish and it feels good, but it's not good for me or anything like that is is humanity to a T is doing something that makes us feel good and gives us what we think we need but puts at risk so many other things. Wow, that's like a metaphor for the, this entire year in America. Kind of, a little <laughs> bit. Because then you have, you know, then not only that, but after she does give him up, after she does renounce her wish, we yes. get this whole this whole flight sequence, which yes. brings in the um, adagio in G minor, which I think it's in G minor. This whole piece of music that if you've listened to the, the score of the movie Sunshine, uh-huh. you know this piece of music. Yeah. It's a famous piece of music. It's been in movies a bunch. And I was like, I hear I heard the piano, and I'm yeah. like, that sounds like that sounds like sunshine music. And then yeah. it was sunshine music. And I was like, all right, let's go. Because yeah. I know that that's some serious, like, even though it's music I've heard before, but I I really enjoyed how. Flight was something that she never understood. She never understood the concept of. It was something that was in Steve's, like, soul. Yeah. It was his gift. And then she got to participate in it and connect with it in a way afterwards yeah. that allows her to connect with Steve on a, on a deeper level. And I also really like the way that they did her flying, too, because I don't believe, and I could be wrong, but I don't believe Wonder Woman has flight in the original comic book, she usually has her her invisible jet, which they brought, which the they do. It's very fun. I love that whole scene. Oh, me too. As I was watching that, I was like, "Man, this would be so pretty on the big screen." It was. It was great. It, it was, was the flying through the fireworks and all of that yeah. was was phenomenal. Um, 
but I really liked the way that it didn't seem like she was propelling herself. Yeah. Like Superman flies. It really seemed that she was using her lasso to propel herself forward. Yeah. And then just soaring. Yeah. And I liked that. I like liked the depiction of the way that Wonder Woman flew in this movie. Yeah. It was different than flight that you might normally see. Definitely. And I appreciated that. Yeah, it was well done. Um, obviously, we get Cheetah at the end in the dark. Yeah. And I think they do as good a job as, as they could. There are not exactly a lot of shots of her, like, standing still. Yeah, better than cats. Way better than Way cats. Way better than cats. Um, and then there's the whole end, which, again, was something that they wanted to do, where they didn't want the final battle with Max to be a physical confrontation. Yeah. Like they wanted it to be a battle of, of ethics, you know, and yeah. a battle of, of good versus evil, right versus wrong. Yeah. Cause basically Max's like badness or villainry, like what creates him to be a villain is like really just like drive to be successful. Which it's like, he is not. Yeah. And it's like wanting to provide for his child, which like at the, there's a scene where, one of his investors for his like oil company calls him a loser and right. his like young son hears it and the young son looks so sad. Yeah. And like Max, he's just like, your dad's not a loser. And I was like crying at that part because my son's name is Max. Yeah. So just like, I was just like, Max, you're not a loser. And like at that moment, I literally was like, do whatever you need to do for your family. I was like, do whatever you need to do. Right. Like, this little boy looks so sad. He just like, Loves you and wants you to be happy. And that's what makes Maxwell Lord such an interesting villain is that, like, I would argue that he doesn't do anything for, like, straight evil. Yeah. Like, he is a guy who is completely out of his element. And he doesn't know. He's, he's like a guy who's caught in a lie. And he just can't get out of it. And yep. he just keeps going and going and going yep. and chasing and chasing and chasing. And he just, his biggest sin is he doesn't understand the ramifications of his actions. Yep. You know? And that's the difference between him and Diana. Is that you had to, you have to bring it down. And what he what she does eventually with him is brings it back down to a personal level. Yeah. Which is like Max might not care about, you know, the whole world ending, which I thought was really, like, well done as well. Like, literally to the point of where the nukes are in the air. Yeah. The world is about to end. And Max finally renounces his wish. Yeah. And then goes to find his son. Yeah. I thought it was all really incredibly well done. Yeah. It also leaves some questions open, too, which is, like, we see Kristen Wiig not dead. Yes. Not Cheetah anymore, though. Yes. Right? But, like, I have questions about could she come back as Sheeta? Yeah. And I feel like she could because she wished for what she wished before Max became the Dreamstone. Yes. So, technically, like, she didn't renounce her wish. She renounced her Apex Predator wish. Seemingly. Or was that wish automatically renounced for her when Max renounced his? You know what I mean? She like, technically had two wishes. Exactly. And her first one was to be like Diana. Yes. And her second one, after Max had become the Dreamstone, yes. was I want to be an Apex Predator. Yes. My understanding was that when Max renounced his wish, my understanding was that it, it null and voided all the wishes. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that that's true because you see so many people who renounce their own wishes. And the whole idea is that Wonder Woman is communicating to the whole world to renounce their wishes, right? Through her, like, 
truth lasso. Through her lasso and through his connection. Like, it's her lasso yeah. on him, and he's connected to everybody. So, yes. by proxy, she's speaking to everybody. But I don't, like, if Max renounced his wish, does that mean everybody else's wishes were null and void? Or yeah. does that mean that there's still people out there who didn't renounce their wishes, yeah. you know? Some people, I read one article that was like, this could be the origin story for a ton of villains because you could have all these villains out there who didn't renounce their wishes. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Yeah. You could bring Cheetah back in some way, shape or form in that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I found it interesting the way that neither of the villains died. Here's my, one of my biggest issues. Number one, they really play fast and loose with transportation in this movie. Like, mm -hmm. They go from America to Cairo back to America very quickly. Yes, they do. Like, it is seemingly in a span of hours. Yes. M my question to you, that's just one thing. One thing I noticed was, like, uh, Max's son Alistair is in D.C. still, like, yeah. on a freeway somewhere. Yeah. And then Max bails. He's like, I'm coming for you, Alistair. Yeah. But, like, where was that satellite dish? And how long did it take him in a helicopter? To get back to Washington, D.C. Totally. Like, I'm guessing, I, I, I wonder if there's an answer to where that thing is. <laughs> no. I don't I, think, so. just says use a satellite broadcast system. It doesn't say where it is, but it did not seem near D.C. Yeah, I think the travel happened fast. And then also, like, before Max broadcasted uh -huh. his, like, message to everyone to make their wish, I also felt like the world was falling apart way quicker than it would have. Right. Like, I felt like there was, like, so many people out there, like, in D.C. Like, D.C. was just, like, crazy. Like, the guy with the cows and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. what? Max, where? He hasn't had time to do this. Like, it didn't make sense for that much, like, havoc to be. It escalates happening. quickly. Yes. It escalates quickly. Yes. Um, and which leads me to my last question, which was. We've talked about how the whole story of this movie is about, you know, the consequences of your actions and how it, it explores just how simple decisions can drive people to do bad things yeah. and how desperation can be. And it's not necessarily an evil person or what have you. That being said, the last we see of Max Lord is kneeling in, in a field with his son, like yeah. hugging him. Yeah. Max Lord needs to get punished. Definitely. Like, and I felt that was one big thing that was missing out of this was we needed one scene where we saw how the world was getting back together. Because it wasn't like this, this, when everybody renounced their wish, everything went back to normal. Yeah. Like, nobody got their mind wiped. Yeah. Right? Everybody in, in the U.S. government and the Russia government knows that they were on the brink of nuclear holocaust. Totally. And now they're not. Yeah. How do we get back from that? Yeah. How do we get back from some of the things that we saw? How do we get back from some of those things where somebody just wish I had a million dollars and they have a million dollars in cash in their hands? Yeah. What What happens with that? A dumb wish because a million dollars isn't going to go very. Not a lot. Years. Not a lot. Not a lot. No. Um, yeah. I have no. It's those are great questions. So it's like, do you remember in Harry Potter? So this is also where. Uh, I feel that sometimes I get a little new, nit, too nitpicky. In Harry Potter, when they go to Sirius Black's apartment yeah. and they tap the stick on the on the ground, and the apartment 
building expands yeah. like another 12 feet. Yeah. I've always had an issue with that because I don't understand the physics because that 12 feet of new space reverberates throughout the physical world. Right. Uh-huh. So there's 12 feet of plumbing underneath that building that what happened with that? What about the street corner? That's at the corner of that building uh-huh. that, that has now moved 12 feet in an opposite direction. Right. So it's a logistics thing for me. Okay. Logistically speaking, like how does the world get back from that? And how long is Maxwell Lord thrown in prison? Yeah, because. He didn't technically do anything wrong, but, like, he ruined Egypt. (laughs) Like, he had this huge wall in Egypt that showed up that went through roads, and it went through buildings, and then... Now it's like a river. It's just disappeared, and now it's a river through roads and buildings. So, like, that was my issue. It's just, like, it didn't feel like there was a, a, a clean enough resolution. Yeah. And Maxwell Lord, like, needs, like, needed to get punished a little bit more, in my opinion. No, I agree. I don't um, think anything happened to him. I nothing happened to him. No, not in the movie. I mean, freaking Cheetah got electrocuted. Sure. Was which was more than Max got. Yeah, she got her ass handed to her, and she got left like beaten and broken and feeling yeah. pretty bad, feeling like a like you know, gonna need to take a day. Yeah. But Max he literally just said, "I renounce my wish, peace," and went and found his son. Yeah. Like. But then it's like. What are they setting up? Did the son denounce his wish because right. he wished to be like his dad? Right. I, I wish to be, I want to be as great as you, daddy, or something like that. And it's like, oh, shoot. Like, who's this kid going to grow up to be now? Right. I don't know. I also was like, there's a little girl in the opening scene of the mall fight that they're paying a lot of attention to. I was like, is she going to be someone in a future movie? Like the little wink, this person yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I was like, who's this little girl going to grow up and be? That That's probably like my, my couple of my biggest nitpicks was just like. They didn't tie it up with a bow. No. Or it's like. I guess they did tie it up with a bow, but it was like, you don't know how it got there. It happened too fast and it was like a little too messy. And then it just kind of ended. Right. Like you didn't see Cheetah again. You didn't see Max again. No. And it was just like, oh, like, so that's just how yeah. it ends. That's my only issue was she saved the world. Everybody gave up their wishes. She implored everybody to be better people. And... Then it's Christmas and everything seems to be fine. Yeah. I just needed just just a little bit more. Yeah. I just needed just a little bit more. Like in every movie ever, particularly comic book movies, something happens to the bad guy. They get thrown in jail. They get arrested. Yeah, they get like something. I would just need a shot of a television and a reporter saying, like, Max Lord on day three of his public trial. And I'm like, yeah. good, good. As it should be. Yeah. So that's, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, does he just get to go and, like, live with his son now? And, like, right. Ponzi scheme, it doesn't even matter anymore? Right. We don't know. Simon Stagg, who was uh, one of his business partners, like, got arrested earlier, and he got all of his oil. Like, how? Yeah. I'm not the foremost expert on oil share ownership and whatever, so I can't really tell you how all that <laughs> happens. Like, does the paperwork just disappear? Well, I think. Because right? how everything happened was just, it just appeared and it just right. showed up. So I imagine like the nukes just kind of vanished, right? Right. So I mean, I they kind of, like, they kind of disintegrated. Stuff just disappeared. 
And that's the thing is like it just kind of disintegrated. So yeah. it's just like, what does that mean for the physical world? Like, what does that mean for the person who voted, like, wished for their own private cruise ship, but they live in Nebraska? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's like a, a 1,800 foot cruise ship in Midtown Nebraska. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't <laughs> it's so weird. What would have your wish been? Oh, a billion dollars. But just a, just straight up money. Yeah, as soon as they said like it was a wish stone, like before the movie even like really took off, I was like, oh, I would I would wish for a billion dollars. Yeah, because that would solve everything. That else. would solve everything. But it's a monkey's paw thing. So what do you think would be taken from you? I don't know. My like sense of what I would spend my money on, I would just waste all that money on stupid shit. Maybe I have no idea. It's like one of those things, but like they didn't know that it was that when they like. Right. Discovered what it was, right? Well, Oh, and no. you know what? Another thing that I really found was kind of annoying was like, how the fuck did Max know about this stone? <laughs> how did he have all of these documents and everything right. on his table right. that he was just like, oh, finally, I found this stone that grants wishes. Like, they didn't really go into that. Like That one I at least like kind of appreciated because, again... There are so many things that can be solved by just a little throwaway line. And he said something in the effect of, like, I have a guy who's into Roman antiquities, and I would love for him to take a look at this. Like, to me, that tells me he's been dealing with, like, antiquities guys. He's been looking for this thing. He's a loser. But how did he ever hear about it? Like, you think right. that he really knew an antiquities guy? Who was like, hey, this is a tombstone. I think he was saying that to Kristen Wiig's character to just be like... Right, to Give just me get that. it. I don't think he actually knew someone. Interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think he actually knew someone who would want to take a look at it. See, now, I feel like he actually knew someone. Maybe not who would want to take a look at it, but I feel like he would actually know someone because, like, that's where he would have gotten all yeah. that documentation from. I just think it's, like, so, like, that one thing. I was like, how does he know about this? Right. Like, this guy... He is a loser and right. he's like running a Ponzi scheme. Right. But I found that he was really trying to like make things work. Right. I don't think he was meaning to run a Ponzi scheme. No. I think he genuinely was like, I'm trying to be like this big oil he, guy. But he just made bad decisions. But he just was stupid and bad at it. You and bought so all became... the oil plots that nobody else wanted and you didn't get oil out of it, bro. Exactly. Get out of the and oil And like game. he was like this TV personality and just trying to like play this part of a successful guy because he wanted to be right. a successful guy. And then, and I know like <laughs> we could go on and on and on, but like I also found it again, incredibly interesting that they made him an immigrant and his real name, his real last name wasn't Lord. It was like yeah. Lor Lorenzato or something like yeah. that. And it also showed again and without getting too like, you know, personal, but you and I have done a lot of personal growth this year separately. Mm -hmm. You know, we have done a lot of emotional growth and a lot of emotional work, a lot of physical work. You know, I started cooking and whatever. But we learned a lot about how, you know, mental anguish and these feelings inside of you, these inadequacies or these anxieties or these fears, they come from things that you don't even realize they come from. And so when they showed the flashback of, like, how Max's upbringing was and yeah. how he had, like, this abusive father and whatever, yeah. it hit me. Yeah, me And too. it's like that was just another thing that I appreciated as part of a character, which is, like, you can have sympathy for a character. You can understand their motivation. You can feel for them. 
but they still got to be punished totally. yeah. <laughs> for their bad actions. For you sure. Know? Um, literally, we could go through all of them, you know, and they still like they. You got to go. You got to go down. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, dude. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, either way, I still enjoyed the movie. Me too. I still enjoyed it a lot. I can't Me wait too. to watch it again. Unfortunately, I can watch it as much as I want for the next thirty days. Yeah. Or, or so after, how does it work with HBO Max? So it'll probably work similarly to the way uh, Mulan worked, which was the the you had to buy the premiere access and okay. you had the premiere access for thirty one days or however long, and then it went away for everybody, and then four or five six months later, it's on HBO Max for everybody. Gotcha. Like that's probably how it's going to work. Is that they're still going to do a home video release? They're still going to do Blu-ray release? They're still going to do all of that? Yeah. But the 31-day window is just, it's on HBO Max and theaters, and then it will be off HBO Max, and it will have whatever is left in its theatrical run, and then it'll it'll go. Gotcha. So, anyway, tell us what you have going on recently. Obviously, it's been a, it's a, been a hell of a year. Yeah. But you have some really interesting stuff going on. So, tell us what, you, what you're doing, like how people can follow you, whatever. Do I have interesting stuff going on? I think you do. What do I have going on? I thought the social media thing, ah. and I thought the stuff that you that you and Matt are doing with like Porthos Studios and stuff, yeah, like that's yeah. that's interesting stuff Thanks. to me. So yeah, I mean, right now I'm basically offering for for myself. I'm offering engagement services. Right. Um, what that means is you have a social media platform. Typically, Instagram, Facebook, or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter are probably the most popular ones. Sure. Um, You get me access to your account, and I basically log in under your social account and engage with like-minded profiles and people. And the idea of this is essentially a tap on the shoulder or uh, door-to-door marketing, which is kind of an interesting take on door-to-door marketing when you look at it from like a social media right. viewpoint. Right. Um, but yeah, so many businesses are using social media to push products and to create essentially a free portfolio and a free billboard that you can show your best work or your offerings or what it is you sell or do. And it's kind of like what a yellow pages used to be. It's a way to find businesses. Mm-hmm. It's a way to find product. And the way that social media platforms are owned and operated now, their algorithm makes it difficult for you to find and follow specific accounts that you may be looking for. And so the idea of engagement um, services is to tap people on the shoulder and say, hey, I offer this product or this is my business and you seem to have similar interests and maybe you would be interested in buying a candle or hiring me for photography. It's different than social media management. It's not scheduling a post for somebody. It's not scheduling out posts and building out, you know, uh, post descriptions and whatever. It is literally going and if you are a a drink company, let's Mm -hmm. say you're a vodka company, um, what you do is you go and you find people who follow other vodka companies, people who share that that similarity, look for the hashtag or whatever. Yeah, mixologists, and bartenders. engage them, just like their stuff, comment yep. on their stuff. It's something that's not automated. It's something that you can't it's automate. Personal. Yeah. Uh, interesting stuff. It's very personal, and it's yeah. I I think I've said it already, but it's the best way to describe it is a tap on the shoulder. So I'm offering those services to a few clients right now. I'm definitely open to talking to more people. So if you're interested, 
Um, I guess Ricky will include my email or information. Maybe throw it in out. The throw it up. Caption. It's a lmtheodosis at gmail.com. There you so go. for Leah Marie, lmtheodosis at gmail.com. And yeah, that's something that I'm offering. And then my husband, Matt, he opened his own woodworking studio. It's called Porthos Studio. And he builds these incredible home furnish pieces. And he also does small custom pieces. So he just built a stasher box for someone for a Christmas gift. They wanted a heirloom style, like jewelry stasher style box. And he did this incredible joinery work in it. So if you're looking for any custom wood pieces, gifts, home furniture, Porthos Studio would uh, like your views and potential business. Nice. Well, thank you again. I much appreciated. I always love having you on to talk movies and stuff like that. Uh, so thanks for your time. Of course. I'm hoping I can be like a third correspondent for the movies that don't get so much attention. We'll keep, we'll keep bringing diet. you on. Who knows what we're going to be doing? Yeah. 2021 is going to be an interesting year. Yes. So we'll see. But before we finish, I want to rhyme, remind everybody that you can get free episodes of the podcast just by hitting like, hitting subscribe, hitting the follow button wherever you are listening to us. Take a second, hit that button, share us with your other good movie buddies. Also, don't forget that you can find us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast, helping an independent movie podcast when it's tough to have a movie podcast right now. Hit us up, patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet. And last, but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But... For our special guest, good movie buddy, Leah Theodosis, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with another good movie on The Popcorn Diet. Adios.